0: always tried to put integrity above anything else and as long as you're doing things the right way always what's best for people what's best to keep your integrity intact that's how you do everything that's how you do life that's how you do business and I've tried to live that way it takes no skill to be classy it takes no skill to be a professional it just takes a little bit of knowledge and and actually just doing it I think Leadership 101 is walking your talk. If I can know I did the right things for people and look out for people first, I feel great. I feel great about what I do. So I can look in the mirror, I can look at my children and feel very good about what I do here.
1: Jeff Bry walks his talk. He is a prime example of internal characteristics such as integrity, outward professionalism that's plain to see, and excellent outcomes in his business and in life. All of this has made Jeff into an amazing role model for thousands of people over his 30 plus year career with Cutco Vector. Jeff's leadership by example has carried over to his son Logan, who is now also evolving as a leader in Cutco. This conversation features Jeff's insights for leading by example and includes a segment with Logan's lessons and observations as well. I'm very proud to feature today one of the finest leaders I know, Vector's Midwest Region Manager, Jeff Bry. Welcome to Changing Lives Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Jeff Bry. Jeff is the Midwest Region Manager for Vector Marketing and Cutco. He's been in the Vector Cutco business now for 30 years. 30 years, in fact, right now, this week. Very exciting to be with you here today, Jeff. Thanks for making some
0: time. Yeah, Dan. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it.
1: All right. Outstanding. Well, I think it's fitting just to kind of start out by hearing a little bit about your early days in the Cutco Vector business and how you got started. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you started 30 years ago.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my brother, Dave, started in 1988, a year before me. Uh, That summertime, he was... uh, I think he started somewhere in July. And in about eight weeks, he sold about 30 grand. So back then, four grand a week back in 88. Not bad. That was a lot. Uh, Yeah. He did pretty well. So he uh, got offered a branch opportunity the following year, Opened up and uh, May 15th, I want to say, was my uh, start date. So it was probably somewhere around May 1st. He said, guess what you're doing this summer? I said, mm-hmm. He said, you're selling knives. I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was, the, uh, that was my interview. I said, do I have to go to an interview? He goes, you just did. I said, cool. I said, <laughs> said, do I have to go through training? He said, yeah, you don't know anything. Of course you do. And I said, oh, all right. Didn't know any better. So uh, started selling. Expectations were incredibly high. As a matter of fact, he put he gave me a calendar about this big, a little calendar from like a bank or something. And he wrote in there exact dates of when I was supposed to hit each promotion throughout the summertime. And uh, I missed every one of them by weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> I was not even close. And uh, I, you know, I sold all summer. I was, uh, I learned a boatload, had a lot of fun. I was fairly mediocre though. I didn't come close to his numbers or his expectations. So I was probably a pretty big disappointment. So. That's how I started. That was that summertime. Learned a ton though, but I, you know, I got a lot of things that we'll probably talk about with regards to culture and what I learned about the business and why I'm still here from that summertime, even though my numbers weren't all there. So that was the beginning.
1: That's great. Well, yeah, tell us about some of those lessons. Tell us about some of the things you feel like you learned in the early days that were transformational in your life or career.
0: Sure. You know What I remember the most about that summer, honestly, was listening to... Hours and hours of Zig Ziglar. He was the main one, but Tom Peters, you know, all the old school original motivational gurus. Audio cassettes. Some of you watching this don't know what I mean, but Dan and I do. Uh, (laughs) I listened to lots of audio cassettes, and I I remember transcribing Ziglar stuff and bringing that to a team meeting where I'd give a speech. My brother would allow me to to speak at a team meeting, and I just share Zig stuff. So you know, it was really foundational. It was foundational things just about being an optimist and you have choices every day in what you do and being positive is a choice. And those are things that, you know, I think back to 1989 when I think of all those foundational uh, roots. I always
1: wonder if I would have ever been exposed to those types of things it were it not for Vector. Because, exactly. Because, you know, many people that I grew up with and knew they didn't listen to Zig Ziglar. They didn't go see Tony Robbins. They didn't listen to Jim Rohn. They didn't know who Jim Rohn is. And you know, I feel like we were all lucky to be in an environment where people were interested in growth and wanted to share the methods they were using to grow with everyone else. So we had a chance to get exposed to that at a young age.
0: And what's cool is that that's 30 years ago. So the guys that are in our business now or the ladies that are in our business now are thinking that maybe, maybe Dan Cassetta came up with that stuff or maybe, you know, whatever. You know, that's stuff that our original founders brought to the table and started that culture, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed. What were some other transformational moments in the early part of your career that you learned something from?
0: The biggest two probably, as I think about that, was uh, my branch summer was massive for me from a standpoint of personal growth, getting out of your comfort zone, all the things that we preach, branching was huge. And I, we were we were a fairly mediocre branch. You know, We did, I think, 85 grand back in 1992. But I moved across the state. I lived on my own. And living on your own in college, that's very different. You're still taken care of and fed and all that. This is on my own, living on the other side of the state, four hours from home, and running a branch office, and starting it from scratch like we all do. And Man, I learned a ton. I, I grew up big time that summer. Uh, that's one of the things for my kids that I, I wish for them. I wish and I hope that they'll run a branch office with us because uh, it's probably the quickest. You know, we talk about earning an MBA in four months or four years of college in four months or whatever it might be. It really does. I mean, you grow up something fierce in four months. So branching was huge for me. Where was your branch? Uh, uh, Grand Haven, Michigan.
1: In Grand Haven, Michigan. And just, uh, for context for anybody who's a new Cutco rep listening or a non Cutco person listening, the company gives people an opportunity to run their own sales office during the summer months, which are the peak recruiting time for Vector. And a person goes to a place where there's no Vector office. They locate an office space. They negotiate the space. They have to get a short term deal, which sometimes is really hard. And they then recruit and train their own team during the summer months. And they build team it. And out here uh, in Silicon Valley, we call it the Summer Startup. And it's a real opportunity to gain real-world business skills in a short period of time during a summer between two terms of school. So it's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: I remember my first training class from that summer to this day. I remember my first three reps that launched. Uh, one of them I got in contact with about five years ago. He ran into us at a, at a booth, at a Cutco booth and said, I did this back in the 90s. And he's an executive with a paper company now, and he threw my name out there. And uh, the person said, "Yeah, he's still here." And he's like, "No way!" So we got <laughs> together, got together, and had a beer, and uh, just caught up. And it was absolutely amazing. And he said, "You know what? You that summer changed my entire life." He said, "I talked to my my kids about you. I talk to my wife about you. I talk. I go back to my high school and give speeches about finding a mentor in life, and I talk about you. And I, I say that because I've shared this with my team." in the last five years or so and said, remember, that's not talking about Jeff Bry as a, a region manager at forty seven years old. That's Jeff Bry as a nineteen year old kid that had that impact. And it wasn't Jeff Bry, it was Vector. Vector, the branch opportunity. We had that impact on that one individual that changed his entire life, which uh, I think is pretty cool as a branch office.
1: Wow, that's powerful. And uh, that's a great lesson for, you know, people growing up in the Vector business and And even for anybody outside, just think about the impact that one person can have on another through mentorship and caring about people, investing yourself in people. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. awesome. There was a second experience you wanted to share also that... uh...
0: Yeah. No, uh, I guess my second uh, transformational experience in my business... Like I said, I I was pretty mediocre as a sales rep. I was pretty mediocre as as an assistant and as a branch. I, I wasn't breaking any records. I wasn't winning silver cups or anything along those lines. I left the business after my branch summer for a year. And uh, I was a professional student, I suppose, for my senior year in college. And uh, upon graduating, I started looking at, you know, what do I want to do? And I can't remember who it was, but someone brought up the concept of listing my values and, and my top five values and what I value in a job and for myself and for my future. And I did that, and then I sat on one side of the page pharmaceutical sales, which is what I was approaching at the time and thinking about, and then Vector as a district manager. Put them on each side, took those values, drew arrows, wrote all over it, and eventually came to the place where I said the values that I have and what I want for my life line up better with being a Vector district manager. So I called my former division manager, Tim McCready, and said, hey, love to talk to you. We sat down at a place called Mr. B's in Troy, Michigan, and had lunch. And uh, I was so excited to tell him, hey, dude, I want to be back. This is where I want to be. And I graduated from college. He said, come on in and why don't you brush up? You've been gone for a year. So I assisted again for four months. After having my degree, I became an assistant manager in a district office for four months. And then in January, I opened up uh, my district. And that campaign, that first campaign, the only thing I had to think about in my past experience was mediocre sales rep, mediocre branch, mediocre assistant. And now I'm going to give this a shot, but I'm going to give it my all. I came back to the business because I loved it. I was all in. And uh, that campaign, we were number one in the region. We beat all the division offices. We beat all the district offices. And I was brand new. And that I said, at that point, I went, huh, I, I guess I can do this. I guess I can be okay at this job. And that was a big transformation for me and confidence that it built that not only can I do this job, but I can probably flourish here as well.
1: Yeah. Well, you certainly have done exactly that. You've been a lot more than okay. You're a legend. And uh, it's been uh, amazing to see what you've been able to do in the company. It's interesting. I feel like there's this tipping point that people, they have to get past in terms of being committed to something to really be able to succeed. It's like 99% commitment makes things difficult in life, but 100% commitment... All of a sudden, right? It's a whole new world of achievement. It's a whole new world of just different experience that people have when they're yeah. fully engaged in something. For sure, you know it's like
0: two hundred and eleven degrees doesn't boil water. One degree extra, there right? it is. Everything it transforms. Is. Same exact thing with commitment. One hundred percent.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now I know that for a while you got a chance to work in Chicago, and during that time. You were mentored uh, at a significant level by Marty Dimitrovich. Yeah. We've introduced Marty a- on this show as one of the all-time legends in the Cutco business and someone who was taken away from, from all of us prematurely because of a pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And you were lucky to have worked with him for a while. And I just wanted to ask about some of the lessons that you learned
0: in working with Marty. There's Marty D right there. As a matter of fact, happens to be just sitting on my desk. There's his uh, his funeral card. So wow, yeah, um, I was very blessed to have worked with Marty, and uh, he was our region manager uh, as a district manager and as a division manager. So I got to work with him very, very closely. And Marty was the most beloved person in Vector Marketing's history, without question. What I got from Marty, I, I learned everything from Marty. However, the, the biggest things I got from Marty were Integrity, humility, class—I mean, that—that's what I got from Marty. You know, I've always tried to put integrity above CPO or anything else. And uh, as long as you're doing things the right way, always, what's best for people, what's best to keep your integrity intact—that's how you do everything. That's how you do life. That's how you do business. And I've tried to live that way based on what I learned from Marty he was he was absolutely the best so humility um, you know one of the other cool things about Marty that a lot of people probably don't know was that Marty loved selling he loved teaching sales now he was a heck of a leader he was a, an executive all those things but he didn't he didn't even care about that stuff he loved teaching sales he would come to a a division meeting or a, a you know any function we had and he would like to, he he loved teaching the details about how to sell cutco cutlery because he loved it so much and believed in it so much and that was I thought that was pretty cool
1: yeah that's neat that's neat you described you know marty his integrity his class and when i've asked people about you jeff one of the things that comes up frequently is this concept of professionalism of class What are some elements of professionalism that you're teaching to your team, to your people, to the young people in your organization?
0: Hmm. From a professionalism standpoint, I mean, we do things like we talk about dining etiquette in our region. We teach some things that they're not going to learn in other places. We teach uh, how to dress for success, if you will, to use a cliche term. But to me, I think it's just please and thank you, that alone. Having a respect for manners, um, that can separate you from the pack. Just saying please and thank you and, and attaching that to every single request, be it written or verbal or whatever. Too few people do it. You know, go to a restaurant just listen for a minute. Just be there by yourself and listen to people that... With a waiter or waitress, what they say, and it's you know there's a a CEO rule out there. I forgot where I read it, but it's the concept is that when certain CEOs that are good will want to interview someone for like a vice president position or some important executive role, they'll take them to dinner, and it's not to see their table manners or anything along those lines. It's to see how they treat the wait staff, Mm. and you know, it's like a window to the soul, how they treat other people that are, you know, in the um, service industry. And I do it all the time. I watch people all the time to see how often, you know, in a meal, you should probably say please and thank you probably 15 times, give or take, based on when they drop the water off, when they fill the water, when they take your menu, when all the time. But I try to take that, you know, I suppose to uh, the business as well and just being classy, you know, I, you know, treating our staff when you're sending a request via email—that's a person at the other end of that thing, and uh, making sure that they are respected and, and they're treated well and they feel appreciated. And Those are simple, simple things that everyone can do. It takes no skill to be classy. It takes no skill to be a professional. It just takes a little bit of knowledge and, and actually just doing it.
1: I love that, Jeff. I feel like that level of professionalism in class is simply founded on respect for others, exactly. you know, a healthy level of respect for others, being conscious yeah. that we're part of a bigger system. Yeah. There's other people around us. Um, I visited Japan yeah. some time ago, and I was just so struck by how orderly things were and how people seemed like they were aware that, you know what, there's thousands of other people around me. I need to be conscious that I'm part of the system. And Respect my environment and respect the people Absolutely. around me. No, no, nobody talks, you know, loud on their cell phone in a, right. in, you know, in public or in a train and, you know, on the escalators to the subway, people line up on one side. So if somebody's in a hurry, they can get by. And that's great. Um, I feel like there's a respect built into the culture there that yeah. you don't necessarily see everywhere in America or everywhere else. And you've always been an amazing example of that. And it's great that that's something that you're sharing and teaching with your people.
0: Appreciate it. One, dude, can I throw one thing out there, Dan? Uh, you yeah. know, One of the things I, I have said to our guys as well is, think about this for a moment. If we don't do our job for a month, what happens? And the answer is we don't sell some knives. If a sanitation worker doesn't do their job for a month, what happens? And you just watch people think about that for a second, let it soak in. It's like, yeah, treat everyone with respect, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Awesome. You know, I feel like young people also really need to work on communication and influence, especially these days in the era of the methods of communication we have now. People are texting a lot and just certain elements of communication and influence are kind of lost arts in this world. And you're viewed as one of the most polished and effective communicators in Vector. You know, you're always in demand to speak at an event. And I think a lot of people look up to you in this way. And uh, what would you say are some of the keys to developing in the areas of communication and influence?
0: Yeah. I mean, from a communication standpoint, I suppose, I mean, if you're talking just public speaking or getting in front of an audience, I think everyone's system for how they take notes or how they, what notes they have in front of them on the podium, everyone's different from that standpoint. Uh, Some people can put four bullet points and roll, I have to have some more details on my notes, but everyone's different with that. But I think what's universal is practice, practice, practice. You know, and making sure that it's not just something that you wing; it's something that you take a responsibility for if you're in that type of position. So, you know, MCing a meeting, for example, I'll take two weeks to write my MC notes for SLC at this point in stage of my life, just because it's a responsibility. I think it's important uh, if I'm given that responsibility to impact and set the tone for a speaker. I take that very seriously. So I put a lot of time into it. So I, I think the first thing is knowing that it's important if you're given that responsibility and taking it seriously. I think that when you're giving a message in, in our company, it's fun to, to be passionate you know, for whatever you're doing, whatever you're talking about. I think it was Tony Robbins that originally was quoted saying, passion is the genesis of genius. So just leaving it all out there. You know, I tell people that if you can take a piece of your heart and soul and leave it on the podium, you did a good job. Uh, And don't worry about what people think. If you feel it, someone else out there probably feels the same thing. So, you know, those are, I guess, a few of the tips. I don't know if there's something more specific you're looking for there, but...
1: Yeah, you know, I can remember in one of the Jim Rohn audios that he teaches he has this section on good communication and it's so like it's hilariously simple he says two keys to good communication number 1 have something good to say and number 2 say it well <laughs> and <laughs> there you go and then of course he expounds upon those things about like how do we have something good to say and a part of that is preparation you know a part of that is our own personal development to internalize Good ideas, so that yeah. they're there for us to have, right? And then, you know, staying it well, preparation as a part of that, also an organization, and then passion, all those kinds of things, right? How about like just general influence? And how does a young person growing up in business become more influential with their peers and with others?
0: Well, I, I think leadership one hundred and one is is walking your talk. I think it's uh, you know you influence people by. One is being a good person. I think that's really important for starters. Uh, Two it's you know, ego. I find ego is usually low self-esteem for most people. Uh, Keep your ego in check and just give of yourself. Um, You know, I I think of a time where I was a division manager and I don't know if this story even resonates or not, but I was a division manager and I I came into my office. It was the middle of summer and the bathroom was just trashed. It was terrible. And I, I was in a suit and I got on my hands and knees and started cleaning and started washing the floor and started cleaning it up because it looked like it was just terrible. And my whole staff, five assistant managers, my pilot, my receptionist, all came around the corner and saw me doing this. And uh, it was just, look, this was not taken care of. This looks awful. You know, We need to take care of every part of the job. And if it's not going to be done, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I think influence comes from leading the right way. And leading the right way is not about directing people necessarily, although. There's certainly time for uh, delegation and proper delegation as a leader. But being able to, hey, get your hands dirty if you need to. But just leading. You know, I think about our business as a pilot sales manager, as a division manager, the number one job you have is to lead in every single category, be it certainly numbers, but how you do things. You've got to walk your talk. And that's leadership 101. Uh, that's how you influence people, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's powerful you know, I can remember, uh, learning the concept that who you are speaks so loudly. I cannot hear what you say. And you by all means, like a lot of influence is just based on how somebody views you
0: yeah, and who yeah. you are. Who are you when no one else is watching? You know, that's what I think about championships. You know, I read a, a quote from, uh, it was actually Kirk Cousins, of course, Michigan State, right? He said, uh, who are you when no one's watching? Championships are built on a thousand invisible mornings where no one else is around. You know, that's how you build in sports is what you're doing at 5 a.m. when the lights aren't on. Who are you when no one else is watching? You know, I, I always try to think of if my kids saw me do this, would they be impressed with that? Would that impact them in a positive or negative way? And how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you know the little things matter.
1: Yeah. That concept that how you do one thing is how you do everything is really telling. I feel like the things we do or don't do, they reveal a lot about what's inside us. right? Somebody that has sure. good habits in one area probably has good habits in most areas. It doesn't necessarily true across the board all the time, but it's true largely in most of the areas of our lives. If you can develop a good habit in one area, it tends to carry over. If you develop discipline in one area, it helps you in other areas. And for me, working in Vector and Cutco at a young age really taught me a lot about discipline. Taught me a lot about getting out of my comfort zone. Also, for sure. um, you know, like making phone calls to make appointments the very first time was kind of traumatic for me, and I almost quit. And I tried to quit, and my manager sure, sure. wouldn't let me. But as I overcame that fear, and I became capable of, you know. Getting past that moment of hesitation, you become more confident to tackle bigger challenges and other challenges in exactly. life. Exactly. You know?
0: Exactly. So um, that's why my son is selling cut-go or will be selling cut-go is right there. You know, I told I've told my kids for years now, I suppose, but they've always, I've always given them choices. I've never been a, a dad, and my, my wife and I have never been parents that have said, you have to play soccer, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. Um, we just, you know, I'm very, very, very passionate about Michigan state, as you know, Dan. Um, but my son is now making his decision for college or just made his decision for college choices. And everybody that knows me is saying, "Eh, of course he's going to state. And I've said, he can go wherever he wants. And I've really, for the last three, four, five years, since he's been in high school, have said, wherever you want to go. Even Michigan? Dan, (laughs) Yes. Yes, and he got accepted to Michigan, by the way, and turned it down. Oh, good, Uh, He got accepted to Notre Dame and turned it down. So he had a lot of choices with school. He had a lot of opportunities. He's smart. It skipped a generation from my father, (laughs) skipped my brothers and jumped into my my kids uh, as far as intelligence. But he he had a lot of opportunities. And I said, dude, you got to go wherever you want to go. And uh, uh, three weeks ago or so, he was down to Notre Dame or Michigan State and went through pros and cons. Again, something we learned, I learned in Vector, go through pros and cons, write it out. Don't just think about it, but write it. And we were walking the dog and he said, look, I've done my pros and cons. You want me to give them to you. I said, fire. He went through everything. And I said, what's that mean? He said, go green. I said, go white. And uh, he's going to be a Spartan. <laughs> but where I get to with the story is that we've given them choices. They have to make their own choices for everything. I said, the only choice you don't have in this world either of you, my son or my daughter, is you will sell Cutco for one <laughs> time, at a minimum. I said, you don't have a choice. <laughs> well, what if we don't want to? I said, good for you. I don't care. You will sell Cutco for a summer. I said, now, I hope and I pray that you stick with it and you run a branch office with us, but I won't force that on you. You will sell Cutco <laughs> for a summer. No choice. So he's starting. This next week is his training class. Uh, it'll be on my thirtieth anniversary will be his training class he 's terrified he 's worried about this you know the things all sales reps are, like the phone like you talked about he 's worried about that. Why is it not a choice it 's not a choice because I know what we do here for people. I know what it'll do for him, for his life. it'll be the foundational building blocks for everything that 's how strongly I believe in what we do here is that my kids will be here for sure for at least the summer.
1: listeners, you just heard Jeff describe how excited he was for Logan to start selling Cutco. Well, Logan did start selling Cutco. He has done well. We are fast forwarding right now to the summer of 2020 to bring you Logan Bry to share with you some of his experiences and some of his lessons. Welcome, Logan. Welcome, Jeff, for this uh, short addendum to our original interview. It's great to have you guys here. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, awesome. So so tell us, uh, how's it gone for you,
2: Logan? I always say, whenever people ask how my Cutco experience has been, I said last summer was the best summer of my life. And it's by far, honestly, there, I've never experienced such a concentrated period of personal growth than I did last summer. So honestly, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: That's fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about your results and what, what are some of your key experiences?
2: Okay, cool. So last summer, I ended up selling about $48,000 um, or CPO. I did about 112 demos. But it was my dad's main goal for me. He told me I had to do at least 100 demos and I was able to do that, um, which was cool. And awesome. um, I think just another one of my stats, I think I had just like a, above a slightly above a $300 average order. So very average, nothing special or anything like that. And yeah, and then some of my key experiences, I would say, obviously, just like overall growth, I think was huge for me because I'm, I'm a very introverted person. I don't like talking to people very much, or I do, but it's hard for me. I'm close with my close group of friends, don't have a lot of acquaintances like that I have on the side, that kind of thing. So it, calling people and trying to book a presentation, going to their house and talking for an hour, definitely outside of the comfort zone. I think my first two or three calling sessions, I would just complain constantly. The first night, I know my parents had to leave just because they were so annoyed at me just complaining the entire time. So, but I think by doing it repeatedly, I was able to grow just so much and I, I was able to get over that fear. And I think the biggest transformative experience was definitely SC2's 10K alliance for me. And for people who don't know what that is, it's basically we woke up at like, we went to the office at like 8 a.m., I think, like 7 or 8 a.m., like every day, every day of the week for like, for me, I was gone a week during the push. So it was for two weeks straight and um, make calls in the morning and then do like three, five demos a day um, in order to try to hit our goals to hit 10K. And this was a very new experience for me. I'd never worked even close to anything that hard in my entire life. But I think I just like I still look back. And even though it was the hardest point of the summer, it's also the part I look back at like most fondly, like even the like, littlest things like going to the office in the morning and hanging out with people before we ended up calling, driving one of my best friends I work with. His name's Nick. We would like drive back. We'd be so delirious after working for like the eighth day in a row straight that we'd be um, like just made, laughing at the stupidest things on the car rides back to go to our demos. Just like it created very very fond memories for me, and um, I'd say that that's something that I'll never forget.
1: That's so cool. That's awesome to hear. There's a couple of really great lessons in what you just shared. One I can re- really relate to because I am profoundly introverted as well, and when I you know, started this job. there were a lot of things that were outside my comfort zone that were a part of what we we're doing, and I think it's important for us to remind ourselves when we're doing things that are outside our comfort zone that that's exactly where growth occurs, and that it's important for us to actually do those things. I can remember. Uh, there was an old movie that's you know much older than you, Logan, that your dad would probably remember that was called The Bodyguard. And Kevin Costner was the bodyguard and Whitney Houston was the star that he was protecting. And somebody asked him one time, are you afraid you know, doing what you do? Is, do you feel fear? And he said, no, when I was young, my dad taught me, if there's something you're afraid of, just do it over and over and over again. And eventually the fear goes away. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that you experienced right there. And then I think a, another great lesson that I derived out of what you just shared is just the idea of doing things that others won't. If you want to achieve at a level that's in the top 1% or 10% or whatever, you have to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And you're getting up really early every day for a couple of weeks, right? That helped you to achieve that big push period, which you know sort of topped off your amazing summer experience. And, uh, and that, that I think is a key lesson that, that all young people can learn. that Anybody can learn, right. Is that uh, we have to be willing to do things that others won't do. We have to be willing to go the extra mile and, and have that, that full commitment if we want to reap the greatest rewards in life.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely agree with that
0: for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? You got anything you want to chime in? Yeah, this was last May. He just had his one year anniversary, uh, last week or 10 days ago. By the way, the same week I had my 31st anniversary uh, on the job. And it was interesting. I wanted him to have the, the quintessential experience of a normal sales rep. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't Facebook my friends to say bye from him. I, I, I put him in a branch office, as a matter of fact, uh, top branch office, but he was in a branch office. I made him an interview. As a matter of fact, on the way to the interview, he said, This is the most nervous I've ever been. <laughs> and he, and he asked me, What if I don't get the job? And I said, well, you just do your best. Just do your best. And then after he got the job and went through training, I remember him saying, well, what if I don't get referrals? And I said, this house is built with referrals, right? <laughs> it's been, it's been That's right. One years, right? But what was really cool is he went through every experience like we want all of our sales reps to do. I wanted him to have the right experience, the vector experience. And he did. He had the good days. He had the great days. He had the bad days. He had the uh, I don't like the phone days, too. I love the phone days. He's, he had every experience that we have, which is awesome. And by the way, my favorite couple things is, is 10K fast start. You know, when he was finishing his fast start, he was still in school, prom, finals, all those things uh, while he was doing his fast start. And the last day of his fast start, I have a picture of him at 10, 15 p.m. finishing up his last demo. And he was at uh, he was he was what is he ninety two hundred something like that straight sales, and he had like a five hundred dollars sale which brought him down to like ninety or up to like ninety seven hundred. And I told him before the demo, I said, "Hey, if you don't hit it with this demo, if you want to, you can call Mister Labresh, who's in Los Angeles, three hours back, and I'm sure he'd do a demo with you." So ten fifteen or so, he came downstairs. He smiled, had a big smile on his face. And I said, you hit it? He said, nope. Let's call Mr. LaBresche. I, <laughs> I said, really? I said, it's ten fifteen at night. You want to work harder? He said, we're not quitting. We're not quitting. We're getting this done. And anyway, longer story short is that uh, my brother called me and said he wanted a cheese knife. And then he said he wanted two cheese knives. And he had like a $300 order of what he actually wanted to buy. So I said, you, you hit your fat, you know, you hit your 10K. But my point is, He wanted to finish the job. He wanted to hit his goal, which was huge. And uh, the second thing was the 10K Alliance. And I remember one morning I was on my way to work and he said, he was up and on his way and he said, it's getting easier. And that was after like day seven, day eight, day 10, something like that. And again, that's what we teach. We teach work ethic here. He learned that last summer. And uh, it was just amazing to watch, you know, and he had a 10K fast start. He had a 10K SC1 push, a 10K SC2 push, and a 10K CFC push. And uh, as he said earlier, he was, he's an introvert, and he just worked hard. 112 demos on the summer. It was so fun to watch. I told him at SC2 what I sold. I wouldn't tell him what I sold before he hit it. So at SC2, in my wrap-up speech from the stage, I said, I sold $720 in my fast start. Logan sold 10,000 my biggest push was three grand he had three over 10 grand I sold 14,000 15,000 my first summer he sold 48 grand and won a scholarship he's a thousand percent my hero and uh, it was just a magical magical summer awesome
2: that's awesome what are you doing this summer Logan so I'm in the um, pilot office for the the motor city division the new motor city division And I am like a selling assistant. So I'm doing sales part-time. And then I'm also doing uh, like PDI and just following up with reps, coaching reps and trying to help motivate them and help them hit their goals, just teach them new advanced tips, that kind of thing.
1: Awesome, awesome. And how'd you like your first year at State?
2: Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I would say actually like going into college I was a little bit nervous because you know, as an introvert, it's not like you're just handed friendships on a silver platter anymore or interactions. You have to kind of make an effort And I think that despite I had high school friends I went into it with, but I think I was able to make a lot of new friends due to my experience with Vector. And I was able to um, come out of my shell and take advantage of a lot of opportunities. Like I'd made like an IM volleyball team. That's never something I would have done. Just a lot of things like that that helped the Vector experience thing helped me fully take advantage of the opportunity.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Hey, so I got a question for you that I think a lot of young people, particularly in the Midwest region would want to know. What's it like having Jeff Bry for a dad?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> this this is one we get uh, quite often. I would say in the vector world, it's very strange having seen the guy up on stage talking and everything and then that they hear your last name and they make the connection for the first time and it's like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, it truly is. It's weird because it's just like he's been my dad forever. So, it, but... I mean, I recently have become, after watching him work and everything, I've recently become very, very grateful for having him as a father because he just cares so much, I think. And I think people can tell that just from the way he runs his business is that he truly does care so much. And that certainly extends to his family, as you would assume. And he like always asks me like, how I'm doing, if he can help me with anything. He's always trying to get involved in my life in a, in a good way. So I would just say he's just a very, very caring, loving man as a whole, I would say.
1: Yeah. Well, he certainly leads by example, and uh, it's good to see that you are a chip off the old block. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guys. Well, thanks for connecting with me for this quick add on to our episode. And uh, we're now going to get back to the conclusion of our original interview with Jeff Bry. Thanks,
0: Dan. Appreciate it.
1: Jeff, what are some of the things you're most proud of in your business or in your life?
0: You know, business, I guess the thing, Dan, I'm probably most proud of is that, you know, I try to do things the right way. Like I said with Marty, I try to do things with integrity. I try to do what's best for the person. And at many times, that's at the peril of CPO and that's at the peril of sales in our business and income and all those different things. If I can sleep at night, if I can know I did the right things for people, and look out for people first, I feel great. I feel great about what I do. So uh, I can look in the mirror. I can look at my children and feel very good about what I do here. So from that standpoint, I guess that's the most important thing to me. I guess if it's more specific, are, are you looking at all for like things I've accomplished that I felt good about in the business? or
1: Yeah. How about personally?
0: I would say personally, You know, I've traveled a lot. I've tried to immerse myself in other cultures and get to know other people. And I like traveling solo sometimes. We travel as a company all the time, but I love traveling by myself and just uh, getting to know other people and other cultures. I don't know if I'm proud of that, but it's just something that I enjoy doing. I'm proud of friendships. I've got very, very, very dear friends that range from people I went to kindergarten with, but I'm still very good friends with, to our high school crew. Uh, matter of fact, I'm in the process of creating our 30 year high school reunion right now. It's this August, and I'm putting together the golf tournament and all that stuff. But we've got a group of about 15 guys that are still super, super tight. Um, to my vector family, to you know, I have a lot of friendships, and I'm, that's that I absolutely cherish. I try to cultivate those with experiences with those friends. I could give stories of that, but just, you know, I I guess that's something I'm proud of. And then uh, I'm really proud of my my family, my wife, my kids, how we've tried to raise them so far. They're 18 and 15. Uh, But uh, yeah, those are probably a few of the things.
1: I think all those relationships, Jeff, are a testament to how you make people feel because I know that you're the kind of person that people like to be around. And I think that says a lot about you and just the kind of person that you are. So, Jeff, the idea of this show is about you know, how people that uh, have sold Cutco are changing lives. And as you look ahead in your career and in your, your life, how do you aspire to change people's lives or to continue to change people's lives through your work and through your influence?
0: I feel a little awkward talking about my influence. It's more the corporate influence and what we do here. But you know, I, I think one of the things I guess I'll say, Dan, is I hear a lot. I hear people say, millennials are this. Millennials are blank. And you can fill in the blanks to lazy, entitled, those types of things. You hear it when you're on a plane and you say you work with college students and things along those lines. And I vehemently disagree with that, those those comments. I hate when people generalize a generation of people based on an experience they might have with one or two people or whatever it is. Um, We've got to put them in the environment to learn. And that's what we do at Vector. Again, why why are my kids going to work here? Because they're going to learn work ethic. Work ethic trumps all, in my opinion. You know, In our business, you can outwork your skill until the skill catches up, right? And we teach work ethic here. I'm very proud of that. I never apologize for that. Because if you learn that, you can do whatever you want. I don't care what profession, what industry you're going into. If you learn work ethic, You're gonna succeed. You're gonna flourish in whatever you decide to do. So I'm very proud of that as a company. I'm very proud of that as a region and as a father as well that I'm gonna be teaching that to my kids. But I would say moving forward, it's it's continuing to trying to get a bigger platform to influence more people. You know, I'm very big into branding. I'm very big into the concept of our company. Our cutco brand, of course, is is Sterling and Platinum, but I want Vector to be branded as the preeminent place to learn how to be an adult, how to be a a successful whatever. You fill in the blank as to what role or what type of job you want to have. And uh, it's the greatest place to learn leadership. It's the greatest place to learn work ethic, integrity, getting out of your comfort zone, trying to become a better version of yourself. All those things that we teach here, I just want to continue and want to impact more people. So we got to keep recruiting.
1: Yeah, definitely, Jeff. Well, you know what? When I think of you, the words role model come out. And I feel like for anybody who's working in the Midwest region of vector marketing, and anybody in the company that gets to meet you at bigger events, you are a role model for them. I feel like people will naturally will want to be like you. The qualities that you bring, the traits, just the whole package of who you are. Uh, you're an outstanding role model. You're one of the most respected people in the company. And I very much appreciate being able to have your time here today and uh, look forward to catching up with you personally uh, at some point in the future here.
0: For sure. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the time, man. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care, Jeff. See you, buddy. Yes, that was Jeff Bry, Midwest Region Manager for Vector Marketing and Cutco. And I just want to take you back to the saying that who you are speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. And how do you convey who you are in an interaction with someone, in meeting someone? How do you convey who you are? It starts with the first impression. I think that your integrity is a big part of that. Doing what you say you're going to do, having integrity to your word. Results are a big part of that. As naturally, anybody is going to look at the results someone is producing in their life, in their business, to get a gauge of if they want to be like that person. And lastly is how you make people feel. How you make people feel. Are you giving energy? Are you giving energy? Are you making people feel good, inspiring others, uplifting others? Jeff Bry is a great example of doing all of those things. As I've mentioned, I feel like most people that have met Jeff and gotten to know him would say that that's the kind of person they want to be like. He has a lot of the great attributes that make for an excellent role model. So hope you guys got some good stuff listening to my friend and colleague, Mr. Jeff Bry. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast.